Hello, everyone. This is the podcast. Let's get right into it. Um, today, I want to talk about a movie that I'm watching called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. You may have seen this movie. Uh, it was quite a popular movie uh, in the early 2000s when it came out. Johnny Depp, Willy Wonka, very nice. Um, <clears throat> incidentally, <coughs> As far as I know, it was the second, like, sort of, like, they made one in 71, I think, with Gene Wilder, I believe. And then Tim Burton um, kind of made a remake of it. And that's the one that I'm talking about. This one's called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And actually now, totally coincidentally, uh, they were releasing kind of like a prequel to it called Wonka, which is uh, with Timothy Chalamet. Um, sorry to him if I mispronounced his name. Um, and yeah, that's, so I'm talking about the middle one. Anyway, though, <clears throat> so I'm watching it. And I would like to present my analysis uh, of the movie, kind of when I see a movie, how I try to make sense of it. Um, so there's a book that's been very influential to me as far as um, understanding stories and movies in particular. And that book is called Save the Cat. Um, this is quite a well-known book in, in amongst people who are interested in writing scripts and making movies and that kind of thing. Um, and... He, he he says that he kind of gives you a, a way to break down each movie into one of ten categories, which he says they're not genres. Like, you know, you when you think of a genre, you think of romance, violence, or drama, whatever, comedy, and so on, horror. So he says that he breaks them up in different ways based on the story structure itself, the structure of the story. And I'll give an example. I think you'll understand uh, what I mean. So one of those, and, and this is the one that um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory presents, is called Monster in the House. Uh, by the way, he claims in his book that like every movie falls, like he's like, as far as I know, every movie falls into one of these 10. Um, and he's like, I challenge you to find one movie that doesn't fall into these 10. Well, whatever, it doesn't matter. Let's not get into that. But anyway, though, <clears throat> as I watch movies, I, I always try to think, like, um, which type of story, which category would this fall under? And also, um, I, I very much am influenced by the 3X structure in, in storytelling. So I also try to find the the set, the the act break from at one to two and from two to three. These are all things that we'll probably talk about going forward a little bit. But um, so the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, if any of you remember it, it's like it's actually, believe it or not, a bit of a it's a horror. It's a kids horror movie. Uh, what does that mean, horror? Well, the 
the the genre the story genre that it falls into is called monster in the house let me let me pull up here a quick list of um of the story structures just to just to uh kind of explain to you give you an idea of what what we mean by story genre and story genre save the cap okay here they are <clears throat> okay so you have they're called um superhero um institutionalized the full triumphant the full triumphant is a pretty big one uh it's a it's a movie in which you have like someone who everybody kind of when they look at him they think he's like like simple and like he doesn't get it and like they kind of feel like he's a little bit almost like they feel pity for him but in the end he turns out to be the wisest of them all so that's now you're getting an idea of that could be a, a drama i feel like certainly comedies so many comedies like if you see the pink panther with uh steve martin jacques Clouseau, he's that's definitely everybody thinks he's a fool and he ends up being the smartest of them all um can't think of any others off the top of my head right now but that's one um the one called why done it which is kind of a play on words of who done it those are the mysteries like you know who did it but what he says is it's more important like obviously we want to know who did it but really what we care about primarily is why right and if you think about it that's true because in the mystery movies you find who did it but you want to know really if they leave it at that you're going to feel a little bit dissatisfied you'll you'll want to know okay but why what was their motivation and that's where you get into the humanity of that character and, and that can be fun um so in this case <clears throat> this case our movie is called monster in the house let me read the description the brief description he gives here considered one of the oldest and most primal type of story this contains a monster who is supernatural in powers. This power can be insanity, not insanity, not necessarily magical, and is evil at its core. So you have basically a monster, someone who's bad, right? And then you have a house, which is an enclosed space. Um, the reason you have to have a house is because if you can just run away from the monster and be safe, then there wouldn't be any, the, moon, the movie wouldn't be compelling because... You know how sometimes you're watching a horror movie and the characters do something stupid, like they run into the woods. You, you know you know what I'm talking about. They do something so dumb. It kind of takes you out of the movie. It takes you out of the drama. You're still like in it. You're still having a good time. You're still scared or, or you know, excited. You're having a thrill. But it makes you be like, that's not realistic. Why would he do that? You know, um, so so similar similarly here, you have a monster, a threat. And you have an enclosed space. It doesn't have to obviously literally be a house. And the reason it has to be enclosed, the reason why it's necessary is that if they could just run away and escape the danger simply by going away, then why it wouldn't be a compelling story. Um, and then you have a sin. Someone who is guilty of bringing the monster into the house. Um, and the sin, it says here, can be an actual sin. 
such as infidelity or hubris or even ignorance. Uh, okay. Fine. So it's a simple story. You have like this monster and he's out for revenge. Um, and all right, let's get into it. What's the story of, um, what is the story of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Um, you have Willy Wonka, who is, I'm not going to bother so much. You can watch the movie yourself. I'm not going to like even bother so much with background. I'm just going to tell you, cut straight to the analysis and the, yeah, the metaphor, the symbolism. Willy Wonka is a genius, uh, someone who's been gifted. Um, you see that in the movie, he's super just, you know, he's world renowned for the, for the candy that he makes. He's an absolute genius, you know, a prodigy, those people that we look at in this world and they're just gifted. Um, you know, and he, and the movie starts by saying that they, like the workers in his factory, people would send workers to his factory to uh, steal his recipes. And so one day he just basically closed his doors and shut off the factory. Um, and he said, that's it. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to bother with it anymore because people are, you know, they're, this is what they're doing to me. Um, eventually the factory does open up again and we'll get to that. But the symbolism there is you have a, you have a genius, someone who has extraordinary abilities and they're, all they really want is to help the world. And, you know, they have the purest, most altruistic, um, intentions. They just want to, um, bestow good on, on the others. And in this case, that is by, um, by making, you know, wonderful candy for everybody. He has this gift and he wants to share it with the world and, and make them happier through it. Um, but what happens sometimes is people with cynicism and, uh, perhaps whatever they, they take these people for granted and they, and they abuse them. And that's what happened with him that they wanted to, they didn't appreciate like that. He was just trying to do good. And they, they started like abusing him, you know, trying to steal his secrets, trying to profit off of him. And that hurt him because he was just, just trying to be good to everybody. And, and this is how they treat him. So, so he, so he shuts down his factory. And the symbolism there is, is like, you know what? It's like resentment and, uh, and jadedness caused by hurt. He gets hurt and he, and he gets jaded. You know, he says, I, I don't, uh, I can't believe it. I'm just trying to be good here. And they come and they, they, you know, they abuse me because of it. So that's it. I'm done. They, they can be, they can live without me, without my candy. Um, he, it's not just, he stopped producing the candy. 
mind you, he shut himself in his factory and he said, that's it, I'm out. So he's like, all right, well, if they didn't appreciate me, if they didn't love me while I was there, then I guess they wouldn't mind if I left. And that's what he does. Um, and eventually he kind of uh, restarts his factory um, with Oompa Loompas, which are these like uh, like a, like this tribe of of people from some random exotic place in the world. Um, so that's essentially what he is. He's a, a genius who was just trying to be kind to others and was abused because of it. So he just shut out the world and he became uh, he became bitter. Um, not bitter like in a mean way to everybody else, but rather, um, you know, he, 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 um, what's the word? He withdrew. He says outwardly, it's like a way of punishing the world, you know, uh, by, by, uh, withholding our, um, our presence and, and our beauty and what we have to offer to it as saying, well, when I wanted to give it to you, you didn't appreciate it. So I guess you won't mind if I, if I leave. And obviously the people, once they, once he wasn't there, they realized now there were some who, who may not have realized, but the movie centers, not centers, but there's kind of like, besides for Willy Wonka, there's a protagonist who is Charlie, the, the small child, and there's his grandfather. And his grandfather is, is representative of the small percentage of people that did appreciate Willy, Willy Wonka and were upset when, um, when he secluded himself and withdrew from those, from everyone around him. Um, and do we know that everybody feels that way? Some, obviously some do, and th those are represented by the, by the grandfather, but, and, and perhaps others as well, subconsciously, you know, they, they kind of, um, I guess they realize, maybe they realize what they had when it was gone or, or maybe subconsciously they feel some kind of uh, sadness that he's not no longer interacting with them or he's no longer there but um i don't think it's i don't think the most of the world feels this in a conscious way and those who do feel it feel pain and ironically those who feel pain by his withdrawal are the ones who least deserved it because he didn't withdraw because of those people, those who appreciated him, he withdrew because of those who didn't. But ironically, the ones who didn't probably moved on with their lives and didn't give a thought in the world to him. While those who did appreciate him, they're the only ones who felt his absence and felt, you know, sadness or pain by it. And, um, so getting back to that's kind of the the backstory of 
not the backstory, but you know, the, the character of Willy Wonka. Um, and then you have the, and then you have like the main plot of the movie, which is that, um, the factory has been functioning, but he, he, you find this out at the end, but all right, hold on. I, my thoughts are not always organized. So I'm doing my best. Um, basically kind of chronologically through the plot you have um the willy wonka announces that there are going to be in his chocolate bars there's going to be five golden tickets um five special candy bars throughout the world uh each one of the five uh will contain a golden ticket that whoever receives it is entitled and invited to come for a day to the factory with all the other recipients of that golden ticket. Um, and I think they're going to be shown something or, or just get like a tour or something of the factory. But I think there's like a prize involved for like the last person or whatever. I don't know. There's like a prize involved. Now, this is when they accept those tickets and they go into the factory, That's that becomes the house, as you can see. Becomes the monster in the house. Now you say, hold on, Willy Wonka doesn't sound like a monster. Not yet he doesn't. But And, and throughout the movie, he also sort of doesn't, because I think Tim Burton did an insanely masterful and amazing job uh, in this movie. Um, because you don't realize that you're watching kind of a horror movie like Cabin in the Woods or or El Royale, which is another horror movie, El Royale, both by Drew Goddard. El Royale is an, Bad Times at the El Royale is another movie that is actually a horror movie, but you don't realize it because the monster is not like a supernatural type of monster. It's, it's something much more kind of like a force in the background that just kind of orchestrates events, but it's not like a something that you can view. It's kind of represented by the El Royale Hotel itself and the things that occur within it which again is nothing supernatural um, but you feel the presence of the hotel either way that's that's that movie um which i highly recommend i it, it's a great movie um getting back to this one though you have the five kids and they're entering into the house and you have the monster and like i said tim burton does a masterful job so subconsciously you kind of understand that Willy Wonka is a monster and that those who came to the factory are actually in danger of some sort but but consciously you don't realize it and that's why they were able to make this as a kids movie and I don't even know if the studio heads realized that they were making a horror movie for kids um I like to think that Tim Burton snuck one past them but um each, each child who receives one of the golden tickets gets to bring a family member. And, and in short, the rest of the movie, what happens is as they're touring the factory, um, there's like Willy Wonka gives them, like there's dangers around. So Willy Wonka will tell to them like, oh, be careful. Don't go near that chocolate river. And there's a kid who who is commits the sin. Remember, we're talking about there's the monster, the house, and the sin. Uh, this kid commits the sin of gluttony. 
meaning he can't help himself. The, the river is a chocolate river, so he goes and he starts drinking from the river. And he told him, be careful, don't go near it. But he but he did it anyway. And, and I guess um, not directly, but as just desserts, what ends up happening is he falls into the river and he gets sucked up in this tube and like he dies in the as far as we're concerned he doesn't and actually they do an amazing job of very subtly announcing to the audience not subtly i mean they do it like explicitly twice once in the song by the oompa loompas that happens afterwards i know i'm like throwing a lot of crazy terms at you so just watch the movie but they say it in the song and Willy Wonka says it afterwards. But it's very subtle in that you don't realize that, like, if he didn't say that, this would not be a horror movie for kids. Um, he has to assure the kids, like, it's fine, because otherwise the kids would be really scared. Um, so, so basically he dies right it's like it's like a classic monster in the house movie you just start picking off one by one you know the victims you have a group of people just start picking them off one by one as each one commits a mistake that's the sin then they get plucked off um and and uh to kind of go a little bit more into the general of uh, monster in the house story um the monster the story is really about the monster that the monster is kind of, in a certain sense, not the protagonist, because if you talk about the three-act structure, the protagonist means a very specific thing, and that's not it. Uh, but the monster is the whole backdrop of the story. It's The story exists within the monster. You're, the monster has some sort of pain, and it's getting revenge on those who... Uh, I guess recall that monster. Let's call it a him, just because. Why not? They he's getting revenge on those who recall him. Of, remind him of that pain that was caused to him. If you don't, if you don't do anything to. If you don't like, you know, if you're not guilty of the crime, or the you know the sin, of of whatever was done to the monster to hurt it, then you're fine. You know, you don't have to, you're not, you have nothing to fear. But the moment that you commit the sin, which hurt the monster, his wrath, like you remind him of it. And he takes out his wrath that he has for those who hurt him initially takes it out on you. So as each child kind of does the same careless mistake of not being pure and having uh, like kind of selfish motives um, and lack of simplicity and purity, uh, you can watch the movie, you can just kind of see for yourself, because he kind of points it out all the time, uh, what he doesn't like about the children. Um, as each child commits a crime, they get picked off. Um, and fine, I mean, there's so much to talk about, but you know, we're just gonna kind of keep going. At the end, um, you find as you do with 
as you do with all these stories of monster in the house, which is that the protagonist actually, who is, who is the protagonist who is not guilty of the crime and the sin, he gets to go scot-free. And actually, not only that, but the monster rewards, gives, like kind of escorts the, the final, escorts the only survivor out of the palace with gifts um, and riches, um, which is what happens here, which is what happens in the bad times at the El Royale. Um, because this final victim who didn't, not the final victim, but the survivor, the one who, the definition of the survivor in this context is that they didn't, they withheld from committing the sin, which originally hurt the monster. And they were in a situation where they could have done it and they withheld. So the monster kind of appreciates that and said, you know what, I appreciate you because even though the person who hurt me in the past didn't withhold, but I see now that had you been there, you would have. And I kind of thank you for giving me a different view of the world and restoring my faith in humanity and my, you know, um, hopefulness and my innocence and my, yeah, just belief in the in the goodness or at least the, um, the potential of humanity let me just take this off because i'm boiling um and if you go back and watch the movie you'll actually see willy wonka has uh flashbacks of has flashbacks of um of his father it was <laughs> willy wonka's um the crime that was committed against him was committed by his father. Um, and um, I mean, it's the symbolism is pretty obvious how the, his father was a dentist and didn't let him eat any candy. And then one day he had a candy and he loved it. So basically he became obsessed and he ended up becoming the owner of the best and largest you know, candy maker in the world. And also, if you notice, actually, during the movie, he has absolutely perfect teeth, like, like wider than is normal. And I don't know if a lot of people notice that, but it's just a callback to see how, in a certain sense, he cannot, you know, like, he retains that little bit thing of his father. And this, like, he couldn't, you know what I mean? Like, it's ironic, like, that even after all this, and having gone so far to kind of whether purposely or not, but having strayed so far from the path that his father, um, you know, wanted him on, he still kind of carries that thing, which his father bequeathed to him, which was a perfect denture. <laughs> um, his mother is conspicuously absent in the, in the movie, in his flashbacks. Um, what else? Uh, what else? I think that's, uh, that's a lot. Um, he, I think just one more thing. He punishes the, he put, what's the punishment to the victims? He punishes the, 
there's a lot to it. I actually didn't finish the movie. I watched it years ago and I was just rewatching it today. I didn't finish watching all of it. Um, and that's fine. I didn't, I didn't mind doing this podcast without having watched it because, um, in a certain sense, I, I was happy about that because I didn't want to kind of have the ending and the resolution of everything affect my initial understanding. I wanted to, I think part of this is to show you kind of how there's so much more, how there's so much structure in movies that, uh, we don't consciously realize unless we either discover it and notice it ourselves or it's told to us. And then we just, you know, pay attention to it. Um, but there's a lot and he kind of punishes the parents with the kid. He punishes the, whatever the, the parent through punishing the kid, he punishes the kid by punishing the kid, but also punishes the parent by punishing the kid. So it's kind of a, you know, hurting the fought the parent by hurting their kid. Now, my question on that, which I just realized is like, I get why he wants to punish the parent. What I don't get is kind of two things. Number one, why he wants to punish the kid like the kid is is himself in the metaphor so why is he trying to punish himself um and why punish the the father i keep using father because i'm picturing a specific one of the five uh veruca salt um the father is like this rich uh factory owner and um, he punishes the parent through punishing the child. So I guess my question is, I get why he would want to punish the parent, but why does he want to punish the kid? And and why punish the parent through the kid? Why not just punish the parent in, on their own and the kid on their own? Um, you know, because he never really directly punishes the parents, except for once, but I don't think that's... Yeah, and then you have to ask why that one specifically. He does punish the parent directly as well. Um, I think maybe what he doesn't like in the kids is this lack of purity, this lack of innocence and wonder. As uh, I think Rachel Carlson um, has a book called The Sense of Wonder. Um, I remember from like fifth grade science or something, Mrs. Zoll, Mrs. Patricia Zoll, if you're listening to this, I still remember the first thing you taught us, like, or one of the first things you taught us, which was that line from Shakespeare that hell has no fury, like a woman scorned or something. I'm not, I'm not saying it verbatim. And you also taught us that the water that we drink used to be like the urine of dinosaurs or something. And that, which means that like the, you know, the, the cycle of the circle of life, you know, kind of the dead become minerals which are eaten by the bugs which are eating by the animals which are eating by us and then which die and feed the ground whatever uh i still remember the horrid stench of fen- uh, not fentanyl uh what is it um formaldehyde i think it was um where i used to preserve the the, the cats that uh, people would dissect um and they would just cause a horrendous scent in the entire middle school uh, hallway for like two weeks or three, however long you were doing it. Um, I still have like fog, like a foggy memory, like to this day. So I don't know if 
if that was because of you, um, all that formaldehyde intoxication. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm sure you you knew that it was safe. And uh, also, I don't have a foggy memory. Thank God. But yeah, I remember you. So I remember the, the little plant you made us do with the bottles. And so if anybody's if you're if she's not watching this, but you're watching and you know, Mrs. Patricia's all from Virginia, Fredericksburg, Virginia, Fredericksburg, Virginia, then you can tell her about it. I'm sure hopefully this will make her happy that one person was paying attention, if not more. Um, so that was a massive tangent but I enjoyed reminiscing. Um, what I was, what I was finishing off is I think the fear, I think the how he punishes the, I think the reason why he bothers punishing the child at all is he's punishing their lack of, he's punishing them because they have like a cynicism about them. He punishes cynicism. He doesn't like cynicism. He likes purity, pure, purity and honesty and simplicity and I guess a sense of wonder and faith. I don't know why those words fit, but they, they seem to. Um, but why though? Does he, does he find a personal struggle? Like that's not what his father, is it? Is he punishing himself vicariously? Is there a part of himself that he, kind of, um, you know, he is the most whimsical and like, he's the person who has the biggest sense of wonder in the entire universe of this movie and, and beyond. I mean, in, in our sense, in our world, that it's a fantastical movie. I mean, fantastical, not in the sense that it's great, which it is, but I mean, in the sense that it's fantasy and even in a fantastical realm, his sense of wonder and, and just openness and beyondness is just crazy so perhaps that's not enough because perhaps where he comes from which is such a suffocating environment growing home i mean growing up with his father i mean there's a scene where he comes home from trick-or-treating and he like places on the table all the candy that like his father's like let me see the damage that was done this year and he gives him the candy and the father like dumps it on the table and he just goes through each one tells him like how horrible it is um, but he does it with a certain, you know, not certain nastiness that is hard to watch. Obviously not hard to watch. I'm saying because he did it well, he acted it well, but you feel for, for Willie, you feel for him. And, uh, and he didn't like what his parents did to him at all. Um, and, and I think that shaped the entire rest of his life. And if you watch the ending based on, what I've sort of told you now, you'll kind of, meaning I, I kind of took you up to the part where there's the only child survivor, child with his adult counterpart. Um, and this is spoiler alert. I know the whole thing has been spoilers, but I'm going to, this is the one that you may want to kind of watch first and think about it yourself and then come back and listen to my interpretation. So I'm going to start in three, you can pause it, but I'm going to start talking about it in three, two, one. So um, what I was saying is that, how does it end? Charlie 
is the winner. He is the last one standing. And so Willie says to him, great, you take, you get to take over my place. You get to keep the factory because we see that Willy Wonka, the reason why he did this whole thing is because he was looking for a, for an heir. He was looking for a next in line because he was getting his hair cut and they not, he noticed like a gray hair. And he realized like my life's work, I don't want it to perish with me. Um, so I need to pick somebody and perhaps unsurprisingly, he picks children and specifically children who buy his chocolates because a child who buys chocolate may have that passion for candy and whimsity, if that's a word, um, that he does, which is what, which is what he desperately needs because it's what was beaten out of him so much when he was a child and he, he's just spends his entire, the rest of his life just grasping for it. Like, like, um, like he's drowning in, in this oppressiveness and, and this whimsicalness is his, is his only lifeline. Um, and I, I feel like it's because like, you know, childhood trauma, um, emotional, you know, when, when caretakers or teachers or whoever has like, whoever a child would look up to, I think perhaps, I don't know, I don't really know child psychology. Um, and I also don't want to wrongly accuse, but I, it's probably, it could, it might be the case that, um, childhood caretakers and influencers can have a very long lasting subconscious effect on a child. They, they shape their, their basic worldview doesn't mean the child cannot rewire it because I think that's what Willy Wonka was trying to do, but it definitely kind of sets the stage for the challenge. That's going to be the rest of their life. I don't not saying people don't have challenges, but in this particular case, one of their challenges will be trying to kind of gasp for that air and not be drowned by the, you know, not be drowned by the negativity or the hopelessness and the despair that was, uh, that was communicated to them. Despair, I think is a good word. They're grasping for hope. And, um, anyway, though, so the spoiler is that, um, Willie says to Charlie, the last remaining one, he's like, you win, you get to keep my factory. And he's like, and, and Charlie's like, great. Uh, I'm assuming my family can come too. And Willie's like, Oh, no, no, just you. And he's like, but I'll have to leave my, my parents and my family. He's like, well, consider that an added bonus. Um, and, and he wasn't being sarcastic, like he was being cynical, but he meant that like, you can see based on what I told you, he is very resentful of his father again because his mother's not in the movie but perhaps that's perhaps he resents her for being absent as his father was doing that with him anyway though so so he's like so he's like yeah consider that an added bonus you get to keep the factory and you get to leave your family how wonderful and charlie's like no i'm not going and uh and he's like so what do you mean 
He's like, I wouldn't leave my family for all the chocolate in the world. And, and that's, that really takes Willie back. Um, he can, this doesn't compute, you know, it's like, it's like when you divide by zero in a calculator, like it says error, like you don't get an answer. It's, it's just, so like, that's not something that he, that it was in the realm of possibility for Willy Wonka. And yet this happens. And yet when he sees it, it's real. So he's like, this is strange. I never imagined this. And yet it exists. And then Willy Wonka kind of goes through his own transformation uh, in the third act. So uh, that's that's about it for today. Um, if you have any questions, please feel free to send them my way, Instagram, uh, whatever, all the information somewhere, just description here. You'll figure it out. Um, yeah, I think the email of this podcast is in the description of the episode. Um, just, uh, I'll say it again, uh, just in case, uh, hold on. The email of this podcast is, um, let me see one second. The email address of this podcast is, um, it's let's have fun podcast at gmail.com. No, uh, no apostrophes, just let's have fun, like the name of the podcast, let's have fun podcast at gmail.com. I would love to see uh, your, your, you know, your thoughts or your questions or anything, uh, if you'd want to share it. And uh, see you next time. Bye.